What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 400th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ. Hello, hello, hello. Greg here. Hello! Looks like we made it to 400th episode. <laughs> Will also here. Unfortunately, I cannot be so joyful and sing-songy 300-some-odd episodes into doing this. I'm just, I'm spent. You guys got the best years of my life. Now, this is it. <laughs> All downhill from there. It's been downhill for a while, but we're really getting towards the bottom. <laughs> but we're here to pick you back up and make you seem better than you are. That's true. It's like when I went to see... Uh, what is it mame is that that's the musical right yeah With, that's uh, the musical version what's her name oh why can't i think of her name now alicia keys new carol channing carol channing ah, and ah. it was like you may as well have had a marionette propping <laughs> yeah she was she was getting real rough towards the end there <laughs> oh and i mm. saw her towards the end <laughs> yeah oh, what a broadway gem absolutely to uh, celebrate 400 episodes, this will not be a news-focused show. Uh, we have questions. It's it's pretty much going to be like a question-only show, like an email show, except not emails. They're uh... one of these times you're going to give me an extreme speed. Oh yeah, maybe one. Not not that. Well, look, don't set it up to like it's going to be later in the episode because it's not happening. It's not. It's not happening. It's <laughs> hey, never happening. Here's I'm a just clue. Saying. Here's a clue for you, Greg. Uh, I've I've been on. Th at least 300 of these programs, uh, I've never had an extreme speed myself. What? So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I we know have the that, worst host ever. That classic nugget from the pre 100 <laughs> episodes just gone and retired. Uh, and I vote uh, Igglybuff. <laughs> I don't remember what the controversy around that segment Pichu was. Pichu versus Igglybuff. How, was oh, it yeah. Cleffa? I thought it was Cleffa. Oh, Cleffa. Cleffa. Okay. Then I vote Cleffa. Cleffa, oh, okay. absolutely. Cleffa all the way. Cleffa. We're going to do questions pretty much the entire show, and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, quick updates here. I still have Skittlejaw. How? Is, <laughs> did you eat more? No, I didn't. I didn't what eat, is wrong with you? I didn't eat any more Skittles, Greg, but my jaw still really hurts. Have you did been you eating break other Skittle-like I don't think so, because throughout things? the day, it, it doesn't hurt as much, and then I go to bed, and then I wake up, and then it's bad again. Oh, dude. Are you grinding, grinding your, teeth? your teeth? No, Jinx. if I was grinding my teeth, it, would be on, it wouldn't be one specific side. Yes, it would. Yeah. No, I'm not grinding my teeth. I can tell you exactly when the pain started. It was when I bit into the Skittles. Okay, here's the Did thing. Did you crack a tooth? No, no, no. Here's ah. what it is. He sprained his jaw. I think I oh, sprained yeah. Your yeah. jaw has muscles. And then every night as he grinds his teeth, he's re-aggravating the sprain. My teeth. He's so grinding his teeth. And do two things. Get yourself Invisalign, because that'll keep you from grinding your teeth. <laughs> God. Are you, just, get, are you trying to get discounts for... on your Invisalign by advertising discounts. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an influencer. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're influencing not to get Invisalign, oh, that's my for word. sure. Well, you're following me on my journey. Number two, take some ibuprofen before you go to bed. I was taking Advils. That's not the same thing? Yes. It is ibuprofen. It is. How many Advils are you taking before you go to bed? Two. The Advil Double PM. It. Double take it. Three. <laughs> you got to take four. Before we get to the questions, I did play some Mystery Dungeon. and I, just I saw that. I figured we'd bring it up. Otherwise, our 
four Mystery Dungeon people who listen to the stream are going to have a heart attack that we haven't talked about it. There are quite a few fans of Mystery Dungeon. Thank you. So you can can that attitude. Um, I very much would have bought it myself because the art is absolutely delightful. Um, Except it's just too proximate to Animal Crossing. And Will is very cheap and budget oriented. The art is good. In graphic and moving form, you can kind of see the flaws in it. It doesn't translate very well to movement. <laughs> it looks way better when it's not moving. I'll say that. Yeah, the the still pictures, and when it's still, it looks better. Move. I would do agree. Watching the stream, the movement looks a little. It looked a little weird. How far did you get? Did you actually recruit somebody else? Uh, no, I didn't get to the recruiting. I will. This oh. is probably not a spoil. Well, I, what is this? A fifteen-year-old game. Yeah, I mean, I played the original game. Uh, so, 14 years old, yes. I got to the first boss battle, which I think is the end mm. of the tutorial completely, which is against Skarmory. Yeah. And then I saved the Diglett. Yep. The the three dads. No mom, but that's all right. Maybe the mom. Maybe I got to save the mom later in. You got to save the mom later. But yeah, I got to the uh, Skarmory battle and did that. And so I will say the quiz is extremely delightful. It told me I was sassy cynical but lovable did you get the hand coming out of the toilet question no (laughs) no Mm, that's why you ended up that way uh which sassy cynical and lovable is supposed to be trico and i decided to pick skitty because i like skitty a lot and then uh my partner i picked a psyduck so i was very happy with the quiz i thought that was really well done except you didn't accept the result no one likes you Trico. You violated the laws what? of Mystery I like Dungeon. Trico. He's okay. I mean, he's fine. He's no skitty. He's no uh, <sighs> Cubone either. It does ask. Cubone. It does ask you at the end if you are uh, like a boy or a girl, like the same Pokemon question that Professor Oak would ask you. And I'm assuming that, like, because I said I'm a boy, that's why they defaulted to Trico. I bet if I was to say a girl. Trico wouldn't have been an option, and it would have probably gave me, I don't know, what what is like a, what would this sassy girl Pokemon be? I would almost say it's probably Skitty. So that's not 100% true. Some of the natures are differentiated yeah. by gender. Some of the natures are not. But, so, I can't remember. I can look it up. Well, that's cheating, then. Then you look well, up all the I mean, the you answers. already did it. <laughs> it's not cheating if you already did it. Maybe, okay, so again, this is just my quick review getting up to the Skarmory, or my, my input. Oh, I should also probably disclose that I did. Uh, Skitty I, would have been hasty. hasty. You had to have been hasty to get Skitty. If you had said, girl, you would have gotten Torchic. Oh, okay. Um, I like Torchic. Full disclosure, I did not pay for Mystery Dungeon. It was sent to me by Nintendo. Big, big Papa Doug Bowser sent it my way. Uh, everyone says that Mystery Dungeon's story is incredible. Uh, I am only like two hours in, and the dialogue is, I don't know, pretty shallow. Wait, <laughs> like, this this Mystery Dungeon or well, that's just the like sequels? The de- that's just like the default of like Mystery Dungeons is like, oh, the story's so good. I, I mean, think for the sequels. I don't think for the original. The story's okay in the original. But like um, their dialogue is very... It's just it's 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 just standard Pokemon dialogue. It's like, hey, so and so, we need to go save this Diglett, and then the it's just like, okay, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the oh, like the dialogue you guys are all raving about. <laughs> no, okay, story hey, and dialogue are two story different and dialogue things. are different. The story and dialogue are different. Um, the story does tend to get 
good. Um, the dialogue is very simple throughout the whole thing, but like, I feel like the dialogue adds to the story, though. No, it can. It, it can, but in, I don't think in this case it takes away from the like. Once you've gotten past where you are and you've learned everything about the game, like it starts getting the dialogue starts picking up more, and more things start happening. It does suffer like all of them because I think this was the first. Was this the first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon crossover? Yeah, I think so. One? Yeah, crossover. Red, 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 yeah. Well, because yeah, there are other Mystery, Mystery Dungeon, Dungeon games like Final yeah. Fantasy has a Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. This was the so, first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. Yes. So they had a very they had a, an unfortunately long tutorial because nobody had probably played a Mystery Dungeon game. Who had played Pokemon? Like this was the first introduction to this, so I think the I I do sort of remember like okay I get it, all right I've learned everything I get it, but I I think the tutorial for this was longer than it needed to be, like the Sun and Moon issue, but then it does pick up like once you're past that you know about bosses you know about picking up jobs you know about what all the shops are it gets it gets more interesting uh, especially when you have more freedom, um so. Like, the tutorial is a good introduction to how the game works, but I don't think is a great introduction to how the story will go, how the dialogue ends up being um, once you've gotten past that and it's not holding your hand anymore. Went into it being very optimistic. I My Mystery Dungeon experience prior to this was playing... My first one was Gates to Infinity, which a lot of people say is bad. And I got all the way up to the Con Kelder at the top of the mountain in Gates to Infinity, which is, I believe, the first boss. And then I stopped playing. Um, and then I did play two to three hours of Explorers of Sky. Um, and I played that with Irene. And Irene was very not interested in it uh, in about an hour. She thought it was kind of boring. Uh, but I do remember the, uh, the coughing in it. But that's all I remember, and uh, I left that game pretty unimpressed as well. I will say that after... How, how long did I play it, Greg? Like two, two and a half, three hours on stream? Um, I left, so I left at about two hours, and you're still playing. Okay, yeah, so it must have been... I probably wrapped up a little bit after you left, but uh, I, I am excited to continue playing it, but I will say I, I the thing that turned me off from those first two games... And that's still an issue here is the combat. I don't think it's particularly fun. And I still don't think it's fun here. But I do, I will say the auto battle thing, which I think is new, uh, makes up for that. The auto movement. The auto, like the, you can press, I think it's the L button. And your characters will like default and go to the things that they need to pick up. And they'll explore on their own. I think well, that that's was... auto explore, but there's yeah. no auto combat. The auto explore actually stops when you're into a combat situation. Yeah, and I think they introduced that in the later games. I'm pretty sure you could do that in the later games. The auto explore or the auto combat? Auto explore. There is there, there is no auto combat. There is no. No, auto no the auto combat is I just press the A button and the game figures out the best attack. Yeah, that's pretty auto to me. Well, but you could choose from a variety of t attacks. That's actually one of my biggest complaints about Mystery Dungeon is. That you, you just had to like memorize all these button combos. Yeah. Well, and, you can like, press LZ, I think, and it will show the four attacks, and then you can pick it. But yeah, I'm okay. just not interested. Yes, you have to memorize this. I'm just not interested combos. in that, though. Like, if I'm fighting a 
Zubat, and uh, I'm going to do the electric move. The game is smart enough to go, Zubat's weak to electric, so I'm going to use Skitty's charge beam. And that's fine. That's good enough for me. Like, I'm not here for... Like, the one time I did stop, and I was like, okay, I, I need to... The Skarmory is about to kill me. I need to, like, not move. Because if you don't move, they don't move. Yep. So I'm not going to spam the A button. I'm going to, like, press the LZ. I'm going to look at my attacks. Uh, my far I, And it was a disaster. I was like, I don't know how this combat works. I don't know if, like, if I turn, does, does that count for a movement, even though I'm still in the same square? And I, like, tried. I, like, hit the A button on accident. And no one was near me. So Skitty did a spin, but that counts as moving. And so Skarmory gets it. Like, it was just a complete mess. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep pressing the A button and let it auto because it was not fun to like hold the LZ. Uh, it's, it's not well, the strength I mean, of the game. Um, there's unless, a lot. Unless I'm like just you, that. Maybe I'm just terrible at video games. You are. <laughs> oh, oh you yes, are. you are. Yes, you yes, are. 100%. But, I mean, for a lot of things, yes, you can probably hit the A button to get through them. Boss battles, like, when you get seeds, when you get other things, those become more important to be able to use. So, like, picking up rocks so that if you've gotten rid of all of your distance attacks, you can still hit things at a distance, because you can throw rocks at things as they move towards you, uh, and not waste your moves. Sleep seeds, throwing berserk seeds, like, confusion seeds. I mean, the game does get more complicated, and the bosses do get a lot harder, where you have to get more creative than just hitting the A button. Like, there is a depth to that to all of the games that I think... They do pretty well, but you do sort of, like, it isn't, I agree that it's not intuitive. It's not a very intuitive system. You do sort of have to memorize what all the seeds do and what you have, like, what you have to do. Um, going on later missions, it becomes very important what you're bringing with you. So you want to bring, like, I need four apples. I want to bring X seeds because I know I'm going to face a boss, but I also need to leave enough space so that while I'm in the dungeon, I can pick everything up that's in there. Like, you sort of have to strike the balance between what's the minimum amount I can bring to deal with what I see in there versus I still need to have space to pick up things in the dungeon. Plus, they haven't even, at the point where you're in the game, they haven't even done monster houses yet, which is just the absolute fear in that game when you run into a monster house. I, I can see the appeal, and I think that's the thing I was excited about. I don't know if this was if this was a change, but like the first thing I I thought of when I saw the bulletin board was, oh, they're gonna make me only take one mission at a time, but it it did oh, let no. me take four or five or something, and I was like, okay, that's awesome because three of these four are in the same cave. Then I was like, oh, okay, let me pick up three. I bet as soon as I complete one, it's gonna kick me out, but it. When you completed the first mission, it was like, oh, you can keep going if you want. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I can I can do yeah. all three in a run. And then the risk reward is I'm either, like, I don't have enough apples and I'm going to get too fatigued. Or I'm out of healing items and I'll have to back out. And that was, like, the appealing part to me. That was the part I yeah. actually liked. Not, like, the combat or the uh, yeah. saving the diglet. The risk reward of, like, I can go deeper into this cave uh, and knock out all these missions if I am well prepared, and I think that is that was the fun yep. part to me. Yep, and it gets more complicated the more places that you open up. Like there are some jobs where it's just like, okay, the first job is on the second floor, and the last job is 
on the 18th floor. Is that something that I want to do right now? Because the reward for the 18th floor one is huge. Is that, do I want to spend 18 going through eight? Like, am I going to go through all 18 to get there? Is like, there's a lot to that risk reward system. That's very interesting. Um, and it gets more interesting the more you play the game. But again, like, but every, the thing is like every dungeon it's random, which is the other thing that I have always found fascinating about that game. Cause you never, like, even if you were in that, dungeon before it's not the same when you go back in yeah yeah um, i mean that's that's what's like so core like yeah. to the whole mystery dungeon it's it, the dungeon is a mystery it's right in the name and like some people are like i don't want the dungeons to be randomized and i was like well number one you're playing the wrong game then step back <laughs> back off i mean one of the things i also don't like is i i actually don't like the auto explore because what that really uh, kind of reveals for me is that the point of the game is all about prepping for the dungeon and not what you actually do in the dungeon. Oh, I think the prepping is the good part. I, okay, but for me, that's I, I don't <laughs> I, I I play the video game to actually do stuff. It's not cookie clicker here. You know, I I want to actually. But I love a good cookie clicker. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I know I, you I do. Like a trimps myself, but. <laughs> You streamed Trimps at one point. For $60 on my Switch. I If I'm sitting on my couch in my living room with my 75-inch television, I want to be engaged with the content, not if watching was... my Cubon run through... Cubon. Cubon run a, through a randomized mm, dungeon. I, I would agree with you, Will, if there were more to the dungeons besides like four items on a floor you could pick up, which that's what I noticed right away, and I was like, oh, maybe it's just these early dungeons. And maybe they do get significantly more complicated. They do complicated. get significantly but more like, complicated. But besides empty rooms with enemies or like heal pads, I was like, oh, I'm just picking up like an orange berry. Like, why? Yeah, but there's like, no puzzles. Like, there's no puzzles to solve to get through the dungeons other than let me make sure that I've got enough, you know, kit in my bag to get through I mean, this thing. There are some. I mean, so... At later dungeons, you get the shops. Later dungeons, you get the monster houses. Like they they do change it up as the difficulty ramps up. There are spas. There are hidden things to find if they were generated. So it, to say that it's always the same, I don't think is fair. But you may not find the little things that they add in interesting enough to do X amount of floors of random generated dungeons. Like. They do get more complicated. There are more complicated things to do, but they do come very late in the game, and they may not be... It, you, I mean, for some people, it's too late. You know, it's too little, too late. Like, there's just not yeah. enough interest there. Oh, absolutely. There. Uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't grab my attention with, you know, an hour and a half's worth of play. I'm not putting more time in. And, like, the recruitment parts are, like, part of it also... I haven't gotten there, but I know that's going to be is, frustrating to me. Is is recruitment is frustrating. It can be finding the scarves to make recruitment easier, buying those things like that's all part of the equipping to make that process better. But like <laughs> it's still it's still like you have no real control over who you recruit. Like it is a random chance after that unlocks that wh whoever you defeat in a dungeon will join you. Like there are ways to manipulate it, but it's still not. It's not a given. Like, you can find that shiny, and it could be like, nope, I'm out. Um, overall, uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't regret my time with it. I think it's, I think it's fun. I, I want to see where it goes more. I, I guess both of you didn't think it was worth the 60 bucks. 
Well, so, I mean, I had played it before. I've played that game completely before. And when looking at it, thinking, I'm still very heavily invested in Sword and Shield. Yes. I may be investing in Animal Crossing. I'm still deciding. I have a lot of friends who want me to. That I, You do the, you, bud. You do the you. Game, the game, that game coming in between these two things... I was like, I know how heavily I can get into Mystery Dungeon. It's not a short game. I'll play it a lot. The other games that are I'm playing still have my attention right now. Like, Final Fantasy just released another huge patch. It's got a whole bunch of new dungeons that I'm working through. I'm still doing raids in Sword and Shield, and that eats up that time. It just... I didn't feel that I wanted to pay $60 to play a game that I've already played. I played it the first time. I liked it the first time. I didn't think there was enough changes in this version to warrant me playing it again. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly like updated art and nostalgia. And yeah. Like, yeah, different different ways of doing rescues and everything. For me, like, if what it really boils down to is if I had more time and Animal Crossing wasn't just like right on the horizon next week, which I know I want to spend my time with Animal Crossing, I... I definitely would have bought this game i got the, i downloaded the demo i enjoyed the demo and it's like if i had more time i would have made this my game that i play every morning you know when i first wake up and like do a dungeon every morning or something stupid like that um but i i'm i know i'm going to invest heavily in animal crossing and be disappointed in a month and a half and then maybe i'll come back to mystery dungeon but <laughs> <laughs> at least for that month and a half animal crossing is going to have my attention you know, this game yeah. will still be there. Animal Crossing for me is like a top five game of all time, but they, they did release hey, a game. it's no Katamari Damacy. They, right. they did release multiple games that I, I did not like before. So that's why I'm like very hesitant. I know people are over the moon and excited. And if there's like a single new flower shown off in Animal <laughs> Crossing, they like need in like an 18 thread post on Twitter about how this new flower is amazing. But. I just can't help but remember Wii game was so bad. Oh, mm. stop, stop, stop. I loved the Wii game. <laughs> but okay, just, okay, generally from your, let's put it this way. From your perspective, it was bad. From my perspective, it was absolutely fantastic. And I adored <laughs> it. But my advice. It was no Wild think, World and it was no New Leaf. Uh, I mean. I think I only really played New Leaf. Which was the DS one? Wild World. Yeah, that was probably a crowning achievement in the whole franchise. Yeah, how um, do you follow up one of the be the best Animal Crossing game ever? Yeah, with I mean they, the they have a tough follow. We bad town. I don't remember what the Wii one was called. <laughs> no, there were plenty of good things in City Folk. Thank Animal you. Animal Crossing, we little bad town. <laughs> we little bad town. <laughs> <laughs> but like my my piece of advice for anybody who um, is you know either just like not one of those, it's Animal Crossing. I'm going to get it and love it. Doesn't matter what it is because it has the Animal Crossing name on it. So if it's like if you've never played before, if you've been away from it for a while and coming back, or you know, it's just like my my one piece of advice is for when you first start it and i would say even like for a week don't discuss it with anybody play it on your own terms learn about the game understand the game on your own terms because the minute you start talking to other people 
And especially if you talk to the real Animania, Animal Cross, what is what are the people who are very into Animal Crossing? Crossy X? Crossheads? The Crossheads. Yeah. And they start telling you about like all the achievements that they've already unlocked and the secret areas they've unlocked and they've got this in their town and that in their town. And you're going to be like, well, I'm not going that fast. And now I feel bad. There's like this un uncontrollable psychological impact that you will have that you're going to feel bad because you're not making as much progress as other people. And just like save yourself from that. Keep your Animal Crossing experience to yourself for a while until you feel like you have accomplished enough and you're at a point where you want to ask other people for advice on how to get things because then it's less about feeling bad that you fell behind but more like I've gotten to this point where I've gotten as far as I can get on my own and it's time for me to reach out to others so I can get even further nah, with their you're, help. You're going you're gonna to be behind off the bat if you didn't find five other friends with the different fruits to get the fruits to plant the <laughs> fruits to get the better fruits to then sell for the money so then you can start buying. Like, I, I agree with the you. other fruits I, for a while. I, I I'm agree. just saying for an enjoyable experience of like creating and crafting your own town, which is the core of the Animal Crossing experience, do it on your own for a while. No, I agree yeah. with what you said, Will. I do agree that there's this psychological thing where, like, somebody has, like, five public work projects in the first week and you don't, and sometimes that just comes down to luck. Sometimes, like, well, in past games, it was just like, oh, so-and-so was able to say the right thing in the right time frame, and now you can build a lighthouse. And, you know, I played the game for six months, and I never got anyone to offer me to build a lighthouse, even though... You know, I did everything the guide said to do, but there's still, like, this hidden percent chance that uh, you might not be offered to build the lighthouse. Like, I, I get it. But, yeah, it, it was it was frustrating during New Leaf to see everyone on Twitter posting all, the, all their public works or uh, all their cool things and... And I, I didn't get offered those things, even though... Uh, I I was playing just as much or or like I have no clue if they they time hopped and that's why they have 18 public work projects in in a week. None of this makes sense to anyone who's played Animal Crossing. They're probably like, what's a public works? I don't even know if there's public works in this game actually. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, no, no. I watched the one Nintendo Direct kind of and uh happy to know that time hopping will not be possible. Thank you to the incorporation of DLC people will still be able to time hop. They won't be able to they, time hop to a season, but they'll still be able to season, time hop. But they won't be able to do events. Sure, so. but they could still put, you know, a thousand bells in a bank and set it five years in the future to whatever interest rate that is. Don't 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 tell these people about these <laughs> horrible tricks and everything. Secrets. I'm very excited for Animal Crossing. But Me I too. but going back to Mystery Dungeon, I did hear that same opinion that, oh, I would have picked up Mystery Dungeon, but I didn't want to spend $120 this month, and I only have 60 bucks. And if it's between Mystery Dungeon or Animal Crossing, I'm going to buy Animal Crossing. I've heard that so much yeah, in the past two weeks. The timing, the timing was real rough. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know, like, my own completely biased view is that they have a lot of crossover between Pokemon and Animal Crossing. That's probably not true. It's just what I see because I have a very limited scope of what's out there. 
but it does seem like the timing was a bit hmm. It's it's partially it's a bit of revenge because the last time an Animal Crossing game came out on a system, Pokemon X and Y came out like two months later, and everybody was like, "Animal yep. Crossing? Who? I don't I don't know her." That's what I did. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I was like, "I'm out." What happened to me so, as well? So that's why now Animal Crossing is getting a little micro revenge on Pokemon. Poor poor Pokemon Mystery Dungeon didn't ask for this fight, but it got yanked into it either anyway. I don't know. The new max raids are hard to resist. We got to get a, a, a Machamp. I, have, I haven't done the Machamp yet. Oh, uh, I had I found one, but it's isn't it sword ex- mostly? Like it will appear in the other, but it's mostly sword. Uh, Machamp, Machamp is five star only in Sword, Gengar's five star only in shield, but three and four stars will have both. Yeah, three, I got a th- I got a three star Machamp in my The three yesterday. to four stars have a ten percent chance of appearing, and then the five stars have a twenty percent chance of appearing. And before anyone tweets at me saying that Machamp and Gengar are in both games, we're talking specifically about promoted raids. But wait, I've got the Gigantamax Gengar multiple times. Maybe I was on other people's. Yeah. Raids, yes. So maybe. like okay. if yeah. I'm playing shield, you can I can find Gengars quicker than a sword player can and I can invite you to mine. You never do. Hey, the code is usually 55555. <laughs> <laughs> Not that's you change it a lot. You start your codes with zero. We talked about this last No, 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 week. no. I don't start. Oh yeah. Well, no, that's that's like trade codes. <laughs> You can't remember from one week to the next. <laughs> that's, that's trade codes for raid codes. You, raids don't matter anyways because most people won't ever see your You flip between five 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 and seven 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 a lot. So don't say it's always because I have seen you do both. <laughs> Sometimes it's all fours. <laughs> and yeah, so it's like nah, don't fall for your lies that you're trying to spread that you can not watch your stream and get into your raids. Look, look. Let's take a break. Uh, okay. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll start our questions. We get a bunch of questions uh, from all over the internet, so we will take a quick break and we will be right back. You know, I was in uh, I was in Boston, Boston. I was getting my credit card. Credit card. I love Boston accents. You're having a tea party? Heck yeah. I love credit call. Credit call. Credit call. Credit call. Credit call. Credit call. All right. Let's dive into some questions here. Not sure I'm ready to handle this. Uh, let's start off with, uh... What is your social security number, date of birth? <laughs> Os- Osvetnik24, this is off our subreddit, says, episode 400 question, how have your Pokemon taste- tastes changed over the 400 episodes? For example, is there a Pokemon you absolutely hated towards the beginning of time? Beginning of the time you began that you like now? Is there a game that you liked that you never wanted to touch again? Thanks for all the fun. I started listening to you guys when Sword and Shield were first announced, and I've been here every week since. Congrats on 400. How have my Pokemon tastes changed? 
Hmm. The weirdest thing for me is among my favorite Pokemon are fire types like Cyndaquil, Victini, stuff like that. But if you were to ask me like my favorite type of Pokemon, fire type is not like the actual type. Hmm. I like fairy and I like grass and I like bug a lot. Where's my fairy bug Pokemon? <laughs> um, is it, I don't, hmm. There isn't think, one, is there? I think I've grown to appreciate Farfetch'd more because of the podcast. I think over time I've begun to hate the mechanical ones more. <laughs> so, like, I was okay with... I didn't think a lot about them, but then once you're sort of on a show and you have to think about them, I think my dislike for things like Magnemite and Clink and Clang and all of them so has Madeira grown. So was pretty much the apotheosis yeah. of the nadir of Pokemon life for you. Yep. Don't like it. At least for me, over 400 episodes, I, I think you realize how just like your your tastes do change over time, and there's document documentation of that. <laughs> That is very true. There's people who've been listening for a long time who can pull out some old chestnuts. And I'm like, actually, even people who haven't been listening for a long time, but decide to go through that back catalog. And they're like, I remember 30 years ago, you said this. I'm like, <laughs> look, I don't remember what we said last week. So don't quote yeah. me about 30 years yeah. ago. I definitely remember early on looking for Pokemon that felt niche. Like uh, Grumpig or even Golduck, I think at the time. Although, like, I had a pretty good story with Golduck, but now I like those those Pokemon. I don't think about as much, and it's probably because we have like more Pokemon and more Pokemon that I can that I I like significantly more than Grumpig. Oh, like I don't get any problems with Grumpig, but also at the same time, no one ever talks about Grumpig. It's probably like that whole like psychological or social psychology thing where it's like you can only have like right. eight close friends or something like that. Yeah. And like once you get another close friend, one of those other ones gets knocked out of the and it's like you once Cramorant showed up, some other Pokemon had to go. You were wild for Cramorant. I was still oh. pretty wild for Cramorant. Yeah, that dude's that dude's no, all I right. Know, but the, I mean some, I also like, I also think like Steve, you probably have a very different experience about your changing tastes because you're just younger. Like for Will and I, we weren't kids when all of this started. We were very true in our twenties. So you, as you know, a kid, like at, when you become an adult, going back to those games is a very different experience for you than it is for me because I have very once you get past 20 kids, your tastes don't change that much. They change some, but not as widely as you know, if you were 10 when the games came out. And now here you are in your 30s trying to go back to those games because you'll see the flaws that you didn't see as a kid. Whereas for me, I saw the flaws immediately because they weren't my childhood games. Like, I have gone back to my childhood games and go, why did I like this? Which is a lot of the Final Fantasy stuff I thought I thought E.T. on the Atari 2600 was an amazing and fantastic achievement. <laughs> oh, I was never that dumb. What? Excuse me? <laughs> I am also younger than you. I was a small child. I don't think that counts as dumb. I think, like, a game like Pokemon Go has 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 done that for specific Pokemon. Like, I don't think a lot of people really 
particularly cared about um what's a good example maybe like chimeco uh oh yeah corsola that's a good one too or like chimeco which is incredibly rare and spawns in the wild and when somebody if somebody saw their first chimeco that would probably be pretty exciting if oh well unless they're extremely casual and they didn't know how rare chimeco is but hi me raise his hand Yeah, Chimeco is real, real, real rare in Pokemon Go. And if you catch it, fun fact, you get 3,000 Stardust instead Dang. of the normal whatever Stardust you would get. Because it gives you bonus Stardust. Ch- checking to see if I've got a Chimeco right now because <laughs> I'm the most passive player. I think as I've met more people through the podcast, like their, their favorite pro- Pokemon has raised my opinion of that Pokemon some. Learning people's favorites has also changed my perspective on them a little. Like, listening to the PAX East, West, South list um, is always fascinating, and that does change some things. That's true. That's fun. And I actually, from my involvement in the podcast, have just like found out so much more in-depth stuff about individual Pokemon. Like, I always really enjoyed the... Um, electric line Mm -hmm. but then it's like in like learning about it and researching it and finding out that only the middle evolution ever learns any new moves or anything and like the first evolution and the last evolution can't learn any new moves that's like fascinating yeah it's really it's really cool um makes that pokemon that much cooler to have that deeper knowledge of of uh how it operates do you guys think that Pokemon will one day allow you to play as an adult protagonist in the series? If so, what kind of things would you like to see in a more mature take on Pokemon? I uh, think they already started leaning into this a little bit. Um, this is actually a really good question. Uh, this was from Ty on Reddit. Yep. So in Sword and Shield, unless I'm terribly mistaken, I don't think I am, they actually don't mention your age at all. Which I think is a really good first step <laughs> in general. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's any secret, and I'm I'm sure the Pokemon company knows better than we do of you know who's buying their game, uh, where they're buying their game, the age of those players, the the background of those players, whether they're college students or high school students or you know working adults. Uh, I'm sure they know all that information that they will probably never release, but. I'm almost positive they don't mention your age at all. I don't think they do. I don't remember them. I think the main problem with that concept, like let's say we had the opportunity to do full character customization and you could set whatever age you wanted your character, player character to be in the game. The issue with that is kind of impactful on the story because if I were to start the game as a 47-year-old, why don't I have any Pokemon yet? <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like you, the, starting the game as a youth kind of is the impetus for why you're starting a Pokemon journey versus, well, I guess I never did the Pokemon thing, <laughs> even though yeah. my entire world revolves yeah. around Pokemon. Guess I'll get into it now. I mean, I think they will never... I think, like Steve said, the abstraction will continue. Like, they will probably just drop the age 
completely and just never mention it. I think they might do more with customization so that you'd have a little bit more to look a little younger or a little older if you wanted. But I don't think, I think in games like this, it pays better for them to have that avatar be more general than specific. And it allows like them to tell the story that they want to tell without having it to be like, well, why would an adult listen to these people? Like, why that wouldn't happen and like exactly like they do mention that you're younger in sword and shield in the fact that um sonia and leon are like let the adults handle this a couple of times like they do they do point out that you are younger while not ever stating that you are an exact age it is definitely implied that you are at least pre-18 or whatever they consider an adult I think um, pre eighteen is probably the best way to put it. Somewhere, probably somewhere between yeah. twelve and eighteen. I think. And I is. think I don't know that we will get anything out of making an adult protagonist that isn't already like I don't know that that enhances the game because I think it's a different question than what do you think is and the more mature take because I think you can still do more mature. And still have a youngish protagonist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I, always said that, like, a lot of people missed the the story beats of Sun and Moon or yep. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, where that, just in case maybe you skipped over because the tutorial was too long in Sun and Moon, uh, one of the uh, core parts of the storyline is uh, about verbal abuse between adults and kids. Uh, specifically with like Lily and Lusamine, and that's as pretty mature as it gets. And I've always said that like most adults don't understand verbal abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, more or less like kids understanding it. Um, just some trivia here. Uh, Calum and uh, Serena, they never talk about their ages in X and Y. Yeah, I was going to say, it, are, are, in any of the games, which of the games have they specified your age? Uh, they specify in, like, Red and Blue that you're, like, 10 years yeah. old. Uh, yeah. I think in Gold and Silver, they also specify you're 10 years old. Um, in Sun and Moon, uh, they actually specify that you're 11 years old uh, with yep. uh, S- uh, Celine and Elio, I think their names are. And then, so, they didn't specify age in X and Y, and they didn't specify age in Sword and Shield. At least in the video games. I don't know. Uh, they might have in the manga. Um, what do we think, like, more mature take on Pokemon? I don't know. I think I think they can, like, they started to do more mature storylines in Sun and, Sun and Moon. I think they can definitely do that in a more mature take on it. But, I like, think... it'd have to really be a one-off. And they'd have to be really careful about what they decide to take on. Um, part of the charm is, for me, is that it's somewhat abstracted, that there's an abstraction there, and it doesn't really ask you to think much deeper than what they're presenting you. I think the danger of doing a more mature take on anything is you can, <laughs> unless you're incredibly careful, you'll easily make something very problematic. And as people have proven it's hard for them to accept new visions and new takes on things without it affecting their previous experiences of it. True. Um, so I think they could t- probably tell deeper stories, but I think they should probably limit that to 
more interpersonal stories like they did in Sun and Moon, and they touched a little bit in Sword and Shield. Like, you know, Bede's uh, entire storyline is probably one of the best things about Sword and Shield. Um, and I think they can do more of that and get into that in more depth. But I think they would probably want to avoid the weird conversations pe- people have about your relationship with Pokemon and what that actually looks like. I think delving really far into that without being super careful about it is going to be super problematic. I mean, they already avoid the the hard conversations of like, oh, we don't know what to do with Lusamine. <laughs> what do we do with uh, yeah. Chairman Rose? Send, send, like, send yeah. them off. Well, yeah, Chairman Rose just disappeared, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple of issues also with a, a a more mature take, right? Just the concept of that. One is a lot of times people take more mature to mean darker. Correct. Um, which does not have to be the, ta- the case. It can just mean more complex and introducing more complexity into the story concepts of the game where there's more subplot subtext deeper you know characterization and everything but the main issue that i think will always be the biggest hurdle to a quote more mature take on pokemon is pokemon is intended to be an all ages game and once you make it you know final fantasy 10 that really takes out a lot of the younger audience, right? Because kids, uh, you know, from maybe like six years old to 11 years old aren't interested into a troubled romance of separated <laughs> lovers, right? Which is, you know, that's a, a, a good trope in a, in a mature, more mature. Uh, well, I, I, I will never say Pokemon's a kid's game. I will always say it's an all ages game. It's an all ages game. And I think that the intent of the creators of Pokemon is for it to always be an all ages game. And it would take a huge shift in their philosophy to move away from the concept yeah. of an all ages game. I will say this, that I would like, and unfortunately people will see this as a more mature take on Pokemon. It's not, I would like to see a wider variety of relationships represented in my Pokemon games. Like, we are finally starting to get there with skin color diversity. It would be nice to have other diversity that is not considered mature, but just part of the universe. Hey, they got Steven and Marlin. Wallace! Yeah. Oh, Wallace, sorry. <laughs> I, I, oh my god! Razorblade here on Reddit asks, do you think if Pokemon was never made, could there be another game that would have created the same impact or impression in your life? If so, which one? Final Fantasy was that game until Pokemon came. Like, I was a huge, huge, huge Final Fantasy fan. And I still am, to some extent, but not not as much as I am with Pokemon. So if Pokemon never existed, then I would have I would be probably in a final fantasy podcast that's the deepest and darkest timeline right there (laughs) yep i mean i've already recorded 15 episodes of katamari cast i'm just not released yet i haven't even been on it yet how rude (sighs) look there's a long line of people (laughs) who want to be on katamari cast so you know you'll get your turn i'm one of the cousins you have to unlock by rolling me up i think 
for me, it probably would have been like a World of Warcraft or a, another MMO. I don't know what MMO, MMOs existed back in the in, against what EverQuest I think was one EverQuest of them. EverQuest was the other. EverQuest was the big one before. I mean, there were a bunch of small ones. Yeah, but like EverQuest was the was it was EverQuest, and then WoW happened, and there was like Ever what? Let's <laughs> all go play WoW because WoW's fun. Yeah, so I I don't even think that it, if Pokemon didn't have the transfer. From Pokemon to Pokemon from each game, I don't think it would have been as impactful as it was on me. And an MMO has always kind of had that. And that's why, like, I was so into Destiny and they, they kind of ruined that. Um, but I put a lot into the first three years of Destiny because I wanted to collect everything because I was sold that this would be like a 10 year game. And it ended up being a three year game. And uh, you got to start over in year four, uh, which kind of killed a lot for me. And. The internet was is, not. Is there ever going to be a Destiny three? Because I, I, no. I, could, I could get back into it. I got a uh, nice TV I think now. Bungie is working on uh, a game for uh, for some big Chinese money. <laughs> That's uh, that game is not Destiny. I don't think so. I think they're in the pockets of big China. <laughs> big I Chinese money. I get in the pockets oh. of big China. <laughs> You can't because you're allergic to soy. Look, there are soy alternatives. Not according to Big China. Big China or not, I am uh, I'm confident that there are people who gave up on Pokemon when uh, the jump from Gen 2 to Gen 3 was made. There were some, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But it was necessary. <laughs> I will still stand by Gen 3 is the most important gen. So, okay, let's let's put it this way. Thinking of impact on your life, what game outside of Pokemon has had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, Shining Force. Shining Force. Yep. In what Absolutely. way? Absolutely. Uh, so, Shining Force was the first when I snuck down to Chicago when my then boyfriend, now husband's parents were gone for the weekend. And we were looking for something to do that would keep us in inside, because uh, going out in public as a couple was a little that risky. What wasn't a thing during those days? It wasn't a thing, it but it was also way. risky because he had nosy neighbors and I wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, we went to Blockbuster and rented a Sega, and rented Shining Force, and played that game all weekend. We didn't leave the house. We ordered food in, and we just played that game, which is, it's why my uh, wedding invites were Shining Force themed. I would, no, I wasn't invited. I didn't know you then. <laughs> and the one person I sort of knew, Steve, didn't come. How rude. <sighs> There's a lot of regrets back then. <laughs> but, like, that game is huge, like, that game is huge in my life, um, simply because I have so many positive memories attached to it. Like, that was... That is, that's like, like everybody has us, like, this is our song. That is our game. Like, that is a game we talk about. That is a game we played a lot of with. That is a game that um, was a huge bonding thing for my husband and I. So, like, that is a, that is a big game in my life. But, like, there's not a lot of them. And they didn't, they just stopped sending them over here. So it didn't have a continuation. But mm -hmm. I will always put that as an important game in my life that's like probably the most important game in my life. i would probably say for myself obviously katamari damasi is 
it, it just very much like uh, if, if you put Katamari Damacy on something, you're going to get Will Anderson's money. Um, <laughs> but that's more because just the gameplay is so simple, but yet still engaging. And it's just almost like, you know, encapsulated joy. That it just you 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 go in there the way the music and the graphics and everything comes together you you can't step away unhappy right it just brings happiness into your heart playing Katamari Damacy it's it's silly but you know you listen to that music and you just you know you're rolling that ball you're picking up weird things who even knows why anything's happening that's that I will say that the one game that like for story that I got really engrossed in and just like looked forward to and very unhappy that you can't get it anymore, you know, that, it, that it's not available, not pushed forward into systems is um, everything from the Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver series, just mm. because I just found that... Um, that whole like what is it like the environment and the the lore and everything of those games which i think there were like five or six of the games i only played there are a maybe, lot of them i only played like the last three or four of them when they were on like ps1 ps2 um with raziel uh it just like it was so gripping for me and that i would like literally like call in sick to work to sit at home and play that game for eight hours just to get through it, to see how the story was going to unfold. And, you know, there wasn't much internet <laughs> to look at back, you know, when those games were out, but I would look up and I was like, what, what can I find out about like these other extra dimensional creatures that are involved mm -hmm. and like all the twists and the different things that were happening and how different people were being manipulated. And it's just like that game like if I could get a master series of that, but in saying all of that, I was just reminded that I was going through some boxes and I found my missed masterpiece edition. <laughs> oh, missed. And that game, I can just, I can think back to like 1994 and sitting in front of a computer for six hours trying to solve those puzzles. I put it in my computer like last week. And I can't even play it because the it graphics like, are what? so bad. It doesn't can't even render the graphics. But boy, oh boy, Mist was a game changer and has never been replicated. Absolutely not. You know, when it comes to lore and just like the simplicity of what it offers, but the depth of what it communicates. That's there. You go. All right, Steve. What's your answer? Uh, Destiny. We did have a lot of good times with Destiny. That's true. I mean, I will say World of Warcraft was my first MMO and. Uh, that was a game changer as far as what MMOs were. Hey, SBJ and crew, my birthday is coming up March 15th, and I wanted to let you guys know that you really helped me get through the day, and I appreciate you all. I started listening to your podcast last fall when I was getting back into Pokemon after a hiatus of not playing. Thank you for re... Is this a question? Yeah. There's one it's in there. The yeah. It's getting the... It said, they okay. said long, long thing. Thank you for reinvigorating my interest in a franchise I love so dearly. I was wondering what your very first shiny Pokemon you caught was and what went through your head when you saw that sparkle. Mine was an Alolan Geodude. I remember feeling my heart skip a beat as the excitement set in because it was a complete surprise. That's from Aiden. I know what mine was. 
You do know? Yeah. What was it? So I was playing, uh, I want to say it was Diamond. And I was over in an area that sort of, you know, that because they have that separate island that you went to. And I was traveling through and a lady in popped up and it was shiny. And I'm like, oh, oh, really? <laughs> this is my first shiny? A lady in? Fine. And then I caught it. Um, that was my first wild shiny. I will say the first shiny that I hunted ever was I bred a shiny Rosalia in Emerald. But that was like me specifically hunting for that. So finally getting it, because there were there was no way of manipulating the odds. I was like, I don't know, thousands of eggs in, and it finally happened. That was just like, oh, relief. So it wasn't like, I don't really count that as my first shiny, because I was specifically trying to get that. So my first ever wild encounter was Lady, and it was like, yay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure my first wild, yeah, really my first shiny for me uh, was in White 2, I got a shiny Lillipup um, on that ranch where they had the the, the herd ears and the little pups and everything um, right in the starting part. So that... <sighs> I was, you know, a little excited for it. Um, I think I named it after my dog at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but probably my most exciting shiny moment was in X and Y when I was in that forest before you get to the where the Mewtwo is, like the animal village area. You know that forest maze? You had to do an X and Y? Yeah. Yeah. And I came across a Trevenant in a Horde battle. And I was just like, it was like so unexpected and so surprising for me. And like the way that like the Trevenant shiny looks, and especially when you're in a Horde it's battle. Real good. And there's like one white one, you know, and yeah. all the other dark ones. That, that that was like probably my most exciting shiny moment. Way better than Ladian. Steve, do you are you even able to feel excitement about shinies anymore, <laughs> or is it just all like an act? I've no, it's not an act. I've come full circles on shinies, from uh, not caring about them to caring about them, kind of going back to not caring about them. I don't have like I think all my all my shiny moments are are documented pretty well. So how hard is it to get a shiny authentic? <laughs> What's that? Authentic synesty. But will it is very tough. Will they have a mark though? Ugh. What is wait, what? What's the mark? Marks what? are ribbons you can I I, earn. I know nothing about Sinisty. Or less than nothing about Sinisty. I, I just keep buying pots. I still haven't even encountered yeah, the Pokemon. Wait, is this a genuine question if you don't know what marks are? I'm not I don't know what marks are. Marks are ribbons. Except you cannot earn them. They just appear on Pokemon when you catch them. Oh, are they the titles? Yes. Yeah. There's like 25 of them, I think. Can I search for them in Pokemon Home? Um, I don't think you can search by I don't ribbons think in Home. I don't think so. So I least. may have a bunch of marks and just not even realize it. That's possible, yeah. You have to go possible, into the ribbon yeah. and then hit up and down and check them all. Boy, oh boy. Gotta check them all. 
Uh, this is from Queen Hawk. Loved Maddie on the mood move. This episode probably my favorite segment so far. And then uh, Brown Speckled Bear also said this episode was great. Loved Maddie on the move. I liked when you guys got into the weeds about different types of Pokemon uh, that have been given out in the past, including Steve's freakout over Pokemon <laughs> Box. <laughs> Also, if anyone knows, I can't get into my Pokemon Pass anymore. Has this been killed by the Pokemon Company? I forgot to claim my shiny Solgaleo. Uh, yeah, I don't think Pokemon Pass works anymore. That Pokemon Pass, personally, because it wasn't released worldwide, this is just my opinion. I think it was literally just a testing bed for what Pokemon Home will do in the future when it comes to codes and generating stuff. Although the shiny Solgaleo, shiny Lunala thing, I think, actually expired... Uh, expired January 15th. It, mine says new activities coming soon. I'm, sh- I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why they would rely on Pokemon Pass since Pokemon Home is worldwide. Yeah, and I think they specifically said that it's going to have features that basically replicate what Pokemon Pass was doing. Yeah, I mean, if you go into Pokemon Home, there's like a uh, mystery gift area. Yeah, mystery gift, and then check for local events, which uh, Pokemon Pass was doing. And then the gift box is where you would see the past things you've redeemed before. So I'm assuming if they do another target event, you walk in, you open Pokemon Home, you go to local event check, it checks your GPS, and does does the thing it does. This is from Dirk off our... Uh, off our YouTube comments, if you could have a new Apricorn Ball and Sword and Shield, what would it do slash look like? Oh, boy. I mean... Um, <sighs> I'm trying to remember what ones we already have. Dive bar, Ball, Lure Ball... Well, Dive Ball is not Apricorn. I think, there, well, I think there needs to be a rework to some of the balls because <laughs> Dive Ball and Lure Ball are like very similar. Like Lure Ball specifically works if you're fishing... But dive ball specifically works when you're like on water or fishing, which is well, like. But there's like three balls for water types, right? You get <laughs> yeah. the net ball, the dive net ball, ball, yeah, which is like water and bug. So let's see. We got level ball, friend ball, lure ball, moon ball, heavy ball, fast ball, and love ball. And love ball works when you're like catching of opposite gender, right? Of yeah, of of your own fast ball. Fastball is based on their speed, right? Like, the faster they are, yeah. the more accurate it is. I think so. Level heavy ball. Balls, heavy ball. Yeah, which doesn't work on Gigantamax Pokemon because they don't have weight. I mean, it can moon work. It would just work as a Pokemon. things that evolve using a moonstone? Yep, that's, like, real silly. Wild. So, lure ball is catching fishing line easier. Mm-hmm. But netball applies to all water Pokemon. Right. Friend ball just makes them friendlier. And level ball is what level if they're lower level than you? Right. It increases the catch rate by how high your level is. The higher level you are from them, the better the catch rate is. It, well, it's the difference between your levels. Yes. So that's your that's So the I would make there. I would make the diamond ball that makes catching things that evolve using a shiny stone easier. It'd be yeah, why is white. there a moon ball? Yeah, it's what wild. What the heck is that? Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, so let's. I would go with diamond ball. 
I would things go with, with the shiny get sword rid of half of the evolution stones <laughs> and just give me like a Sinnoh stone or a Unova stone. Look, no. we already got rid of the mossy rock and the icy rock. Yes. You're taking away the whole challenge of this game, man. Every day, every day, <laughs> I am over there at Stonehenge grubbing in the ground to see what kind of rock I can pick up for that day. <laughs> What is my life? I'm like, is the EV that I need there? No, not Espeon today. All right, let me kill that bugger. Okay, now I'm going to go <laughs> ground, ground, scrounge for rocks at Stonehenge. On an unrelated note, I do like how they give you a limited amount of apricorn balls because it does encourage you to breed and trade. Yeah. Um, which is nice. I don't know if, you know, I... Before anyone goes, well, like the deals, the DLC says we'll get more apricorn balls. Sure, there's also a way to get more <laughs> apricorn balls now, and it's through the Champion Cup. And good luck, because I've known people who have done 30, 40, 50 Champion Cup battles in a day and haven't gotten a single one. Is They did say there's going to be a way to get apricorn balls. It could be incredibly easy, or it could be incredibly tedious like the Champion Cup. We don't actually know. But I do like the limited ecosystem of they're giving you a reason to trade because I don't think there's a lot of good reasons to trade right now. Like, oh, I already have a Licked Tongue. Why do I need your Licked Tongue? But I don't have a Licked Tongue tongue in a Friend Ball, so I would Mm. gladly take that from you. Uh, I'm surprised there's not Pokeballs based off weather conditions. Like, this one works in the rain. This one works in the snow. This one works in the sandstorm. And yet, why don't we have a Dawn Ball to go along with the Dusk Ball? Right? So, dusk Ball works at night. Can I get <laughs> something to work in the day? Y'all, is, so y'all need to pick which one are you making. I already picked my ball. You're all talking about what we're missing. Which one are you adding? I would add a Pokeball that works in the snow. A snowball? writes itself I am going to make a ball that works only on water Pokemon that are actually fish (laughs) (laughs) the scale ball no amphibians nothing that's like a a low tad no only goldines Goldines and Magikarps <laughs> and, and Bruxishes. Seedra or Sea King. Um, you know, I think I would go with the Dawn Ball. I like balance. Mm. Right? I like balance. If there's going to be a Dusk Ball, I want a Dawn Ball. Right? If there's going to be a Heavy Ball, I want a Light Ball. There's a Light Ball. Pikachu can hold it. It makes I am aware. <sighs> Boy, editor needed to go back and make some adjustments on that text. <laughs> yeah. I like this one. Which game, Pokemon or not, gives you the most nostalgia or reminds you of your childhood? That was from Stephanie on YouTube. Space Invaders. My childhood? Yeah, boy. Space Invaders was huge. (sighs) I played that game a lot in the old arcades. Yeah. Centipede. Probably for me, Centipede. I actually had a book on, like, strategies for playing Centipede. (laughs) I had a book on strategies... For Centipede, I had a book on strategies for Asteroids. I, asteroids, I, had, I could not play. I, the physics in that game yeah, the was physics beyond in that game were, my... Ooh. They were unforgiving. 
I'm one game that I just like I was obsessed with and I just could not play Robotron. I actually had a book on Robotron. I hated too. Robotron. Hated it because I couldn't play it because the two joysticks were one of them was always broken. Well, but the thing is, like Robotron had such depth of story for <laughs> for an arcade game. For yeah. I mean, for the arcade game that it was, and it's yeah. like you've got to save your family from becoming mutants. <laughs> it was dark. Um, I will say the other one that's really big, um, Dragon's Lair, my brother and I played a lot. And we would act out the levels at home to try to figure out, to get the timing down to do them right so you get to the end. So I have a fondness for Dragon's Lair only as a connection to my brother. But Dragon's like, Lair was the one that was kind of animated, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it? the animated one. Yep. I could never get past the first level. I that. like Space Ace better, but Dragon's Lair was the first, and my brother and I played oh. that a lot at the skating rink. You know, but in middle school, I used to play, I think it was Jumpman. I'm not 100% sure if that was the name of it, because there's a couple of games that are very similarly named, but it was literally, mm. it was like, like almost like a Mario clone. You're just on platforms, oh, yeah. climbing up and down, and then jumping to collect rings, and you had to collect all the rings in the level to complete the level. Oh, man, I would obsess on that game. I was a huge fan of Donkey Kong Jr. I... My first game that I collected actual things for was Pac-Man. Like, I had Pac-Man sheets, I had a Pac-Man book, I had a Pac-Man arcade machine. Like, I was uh, a big Greg, Pac-Man fan. you had Pac-Man fever, okay? I did. That I had not... that album. <laughs> I had that album, and I listened to it a lot. Uh, all right, so 80s time is over. Steve, what's yours? How can I compete with 80s time? You can't. But try. It's true. Uh, probably Sonic the Hedgehog two and three. Uh, and gotta probably, get fast. Probably Ristar were the games that was a lot of my younger childhood that wasn't Pokemon. Ristar? Yeah, it was made by. It was a Sega Genesis game. I can confirm the name of the game was Jumpman. Excellent. Oh wait, I know Ristar. I do know that game. R-I-S-T-A-R, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was developed and published by Sega. I can't remember. There's a... Uh, the people who made it made, like, some other popular games, too, but uh, I probably played that game a million times because I liked and everything about it. And yet there's no Ristar cast. Nope. No, <laughs> no, no Ristar lore. cast at all. <laughs> no deep lore about a game series that's no longer made. Uh, I'm going to be silent for the rest of the episode as I watch YouTube videos of Jumpman playthroughs. <laughs> but it's nice knowing y'all. Are there any Jumpman speedruns? It's all speedruns, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll do one more question before our break. Uh, this is from Stev. Should I get Animal Crossing? No. Yes. I don't know. I haven't decided. It Don't ask me these things. What you want out of life? I mean, should you learn to play guitar? Should you <laughs> take up knitting? <laughs> should you lift heavy? Uh, I mean, maybe. I okay. I will say this: as in most Animal Crossing games, if you are on the fence at all, buy it within the first week or so when everybody's still really active, and you can go visit everybody's towns. About a month later, when everybody's really upset about the fact that you had to check in every day, all the casuals are gone and only the hardcore players are there, and those people are wild. So get in early and get out early if you're going to do it. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. If you're going to pull the trigger, you better pull it on day one. <laughs> pull it on day one or at least week one while people are still really jazzed about it. If you're friends with Nick in Canada, you can buy it anytime because <laughs> he will take your town under his wing and turn it into a glorious empire. I'm if not he... friends with Nick in Canada, though. So, well, I mean, that's that's what's holding you back. I know. I need to go to Canada as well. Why start now? I'm not going to. <laughs> we'll take a break. When we come back, we got uh, some more questions to get through. So we will be right back. This is from uh, Monster off YouTube. Hey, Pokemon podcast. I uh, found the podcast a long time ago, around episode 150 or so. Uh, but unfortunately, I stopped listening for a really long time. When I still found you guys are still doing podcasts, I immediately searched on Spotify. And now for the past two months, I've been listening every week. So glad to find you guys again with all those years. You really helped me, you really helped me cope with my passing of my great-grandmother. At a time, I have many questions I could ask, but I feel this is the most fitting. What is your favorite Pokemon and why? Love hearing your responses. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Probably documented <laughs> unless it's changed. Mine is Cramorant. And of all why? time? All time, Will. And why? And why? Hey, don't ask questions you don't want answers for. I want an answer for that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the question. The, the derpiness of Cramorant. I think it's really uh, cute and really fun to look at. I think it's just a fun design overall. Do you like cute Pokemon or cool Pokemon? <laughs> why, is, why is all of the world divided into cute or cool? Yeah, I like cute and cool. Cute and cute, cool. I mean, mine is well documented. I love the entire Rosalia line. Rosalia is probably... My favorite, although I am very partial to Rose Red because you can actually use it in the game to do things. It the design to me is just like it's super cute. Also, I like a lot of the thought that went behind it. I think it's really it. I think it's a really interesting take on a plant coming to life along the lines of Oddish. It's like another type of Oddish. It's a rose plant um, coming to life. Uh, I use it to defeat the Battle Tower in Colosseum. Like, I've had a strong attachment to that Pokemon ever since I first saw it in Ruby and Sapphire. And it's just, it's cute, it's tiny, it's powerful. Like, it hits all the boxes that I like. And I think it's really well designed. My favorite Pokemon just changes too much. I mean, Cyndaquil is like an always there because my, you know, when I, my first Pokemon game was yellow, so I didn't get to pick a starter. So Aww. when I got Pokemon Gold and I got to pick a starter, that's when I picked Cyndaquil because the other starters are 
hot garbage. Correct. Um, <laughs> but man, it's just like, if I was going to get a tattoo of a Pokemon, I think I'd mm. really get a Victini. Like a really like well-drawn, mm, mm-hmm. good, like realistic art Victini, I think would be that spot for me. Just because I'd like, I really appreciate what Victini represents. And it, like, I like to like be reminded of like that positive thinking that comes behind Victini. That's probably going to be the one that like sticks with me for a really long time. Uh, congrats on 400 episodes, SBJ, Will, Greg, and all of the other co-hosts that have graced this podcast over the years. Not going to make this comment very long, but thank you to everyone who has contributed to the many aspects of PKMNCast over the years. I know that the show has personally impacted my life in more ways than one. The amount of work and dedication that is put into the show is truly remarkable. There is no way I can repay you all for the amount of enjoyment I have received from this show. Congrats on 400. Here's to the next 400. Thanks, Pat from Palette. That wasn't a question, Patrick. (laughs) How dare. How dare you leave kind words. (laughs) I will will ask the question that he asked me earlier today, which was, will you tell Steve and Greg congratulations on 400 episodes? And I texted him back and said no. Perfect. Perfect. As I was as, like, tell tell them planned. yourself, dude. <laughs> Dakota says, "Hey, new to the podcast, Mike. New to the podcast, podcast, podcast. My question is, how does everyone's schedule end up working? Asking for my own contemplation. Like, how do we make recording this work? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean." You guys have I, it easy. Uh, yeah. I mean, Excuse? I, I, I mean, I do specifically set aside time. Like, Sundays around the time that we schedule are just always a no. Like, I have something to do. Um, if it's unavoidable, then we'll talk about when we can schedule it. But it isn't, like, it isn't easy. Like, it is a priority that is on my calendar to say, no, I, this time is blocked off. And I have changed my shopping patterns and eating patterns to adjust accordingly. We have, over the past seven and a half years that I've been doing this program, migrated the day and time (laughs) that we record this program so frequently. It's just, yeah, I mean, you you just, like, try, try to set down a time but also yep. have the flexibility understanding that things happen in people's lives that we have to you know accommodate for um and i mean the the biggest driving factor is obviously steve wants to be able to stream uh monday through saturday and i think a lot, what a lot of people don't understand um is editing a podcast does take a lot of time and focus and like that's not just the recording part. Right. That's listening back, making sure the audio quality is top notch. And I hope everyone appreciates the amount of work that Steve goes puts into making like really good sounding audio. Because mm-hmm. you can I mean, if you want me to point you to some really bad sounding podcasts out there <laughs> so you can we learn can. to appreciate what you're getting in your ears right now, I I've got a list. But yeah, even because I edit my own podcasts and, you know, just the time and effort to try to make sure that they sound good, it's it's a lot. 
It's a um, lot. That's why I so, don't do it. <laughs> so I you don't, don't want to be doing that on a day, you know, that you're also required to be streaming, required <laughs> to be <laughs> streaming for four or five hours. Also, and, and I don't know, like, if Steve and Greg feel the same way, um, one of the other hard things is it's almost like you don't get a day off from work at all because like for me i work monday to friday mm -hmm. and then saturday is when i edit the card fight vanguard podcast that i do right so that's like i have to do that on saturday i want to keep to a schedule where i am releasing that podcast on saturdays so like for me saturday is a work day and then sunday when we record this it's like i my sunday is organized around recording this program I mean, I do it because I like to do it, mm -hmm. right? I enjoy the feedback that I get from people that they like hearing the things that we have to say, that we, mm -hmm. you know, make them laugh, make them happy and everything. I was like, that, there's value in that, but it comes because of the amount of work that we put into it. Yep. I That's, mean, we've made, we made it a priority. Yes, like, absolutely. You just have to make, like, I also work Monday through Friday. I record Tuesday nights. I have set events where I have to see people like as an adult, I've always said this, like, like Wednesdays are off limits because that's when I go see a certain group of friends. We've all agreed as adults, this is the time that we're going to see each other. Because if you don't schedule that time, you don't. It's so easy to lose track of, well, I'm super tired or, you know, I've got this going on or I have this free time. So I'm going to go get this product. Like, it's really easy as an adult to if you don't make time for it to just let it go by because there's so many different things pulling your attention so like i have a very like people i have set schedule of when i see people for certain things like thursday night magic or record on tuesdays i saturday mornings i do work on the game that i put out and getting that out like i have to schedule these things so a i don't get overwhelmed but b they don't just disappear yeah, I mean, I'm living in a, a no-day-off cycle, <laughs> which is, is you know, what I signed up for. I kind of thought about that a little bit more because my dad, uh, I was talking to my dad the other day, and he was like, he's like, I don't understand why you, you keep doing this. Like, you don't have a day off. Is it really worth the money you're making? And I guess you could easily ask that question to like an actor or an actress or a wrestler or a musician. Uh, I'm I'm sure somebody who is touring the world. I'm sure that's very hard on them. Yep. I left acting for that very reason. I left acting because you, when you when you did get a day off, it meant you weren't getting paid anything. Like it's an incredibly hard life, and I decided that that wasn't worth it. Hey, 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 find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> that is such garbage. <laughs> that is that is the most garbage advice. It is. You, you are so right. It, it basically, here's what the, the truth is. Find a job that you love and in five years, you'll hate it. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm, I'm even even if it wasn't the hours or the stuff for work, it's even going back to the wrestler analogy. I mean, those those wrestlers are probably not seeing their kids a whole lot since they're on the road. And with me, like, I don't get to see Irene a whole lot. Like, she gets off work at 5, I start streaming at usually 6, and by the time I'm done, she's sleeping. And it's just, like, kind of the sacrifice I've made to create content. And the problem 
with creating content is it's extremely competitive. Uh, there's no secret that content creator is the number one job that kids want to be. Uh, and what they write on their little homework sheets when the teacher asks, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it used to be astronaut. It used to be... I want to be a fire person. Yeah, fire president or astronaut or race car driver. Like, it is content creator. It's YouTuber, pop, whatever. My schedule is usually Monday through Friday, 6 to midnight. So that's 30 hours streaming. And then on Saturday, I only stream for about four hours. So we're about 34 hours streaming. And then Sunday, which is quote unquote my day off for podcasting, it is we record the show, which usually takes three to four hours. And then it's another three to four hours to edit it. And then afterwards, it's queuing it up for posting, you know, getting it uploaded, getting it ready for YouTube now, getting it ready for social media. And so my my Sundays are uh, like a full eight hour, sometimes 10 hour day. And then on top of that now, I have to, I, I don't know what the word for it is, like advertise or get my mm-hmm. name out there um, and making content that people would want to share or enjoy or like or favorite, all these buzzwords. But um, I've really stepped up my Instagram game. Uh, besides putting the podcast on YouTube now, there's two new YouTube videos that come out on Monday or Wednesday and Friday. Because the problem is, if you slow down on making content, you slowly start to become irrelevant. Uh, And a good analogy of this would be, you know, something like a Sears or a Kmart. You know, at one point, they were very popular household name companies that, you know, you just, hey, if I need a refrigerator, I'm going to go to Sears. If I need pencils for the school year, I'm going to go to Kmart. And, you know, they didn't adapt and evolve. Another good analogy would like be like Blockbuster, <laughs> and uh, they closed down. So it's it's as easy as a content creator to kind of fall in that same path of like, if I just continue doing the same old stuff, I run the risk of becoming irrelevant or having other content creators take take that spot, and it's just how it is. So. That's probably why the podcast has like slightly changed over the years in a way. Oh, we've changed a lot over the years. <laughs> we have. Trust, yeah. trust. I've been here for front row seat. We've changed a lot. We've learned a lot. Uh, it's why I always try new things on this Twitch stream. Uh, it's why I am now, you know, doing stuff outside of that. Uh, and at the end of the day, I uh, going back to my dad's like, why don't you just get a traditional job, which is probably the easy answer of like, I could easily make more money. Once I get work uh, off work at 5 p.m., I'm done. I don't have to worry about, you know, did this tweet get enough retweets? Did this Instagram post get enough likes? I don't wouldn't have to worry about that. At the end of the day, I, I just like doing this. I like being a constant in people's life. Like there's nothing more exciting than waking up on monday and seeing people say positive things about the episode if they've already listened to it there's nothing like uh hitting go live on monday evening and having people tell me about their weekends and just like reading all these comments this week whether it was on youtube or slack or or reddit or twitter or whatever is is like worth it enough for me to have these really long work weeks time and time again uh, to answer your question, I don't have a day off ever. <laughs> That's not true. You're, yeah. you, you take vacations, and then Greg and I go in and examine the map yeah. of Galar. Yep. 
that's yeah that's true though you have we are there to help like take your vacations like it is important like i also want to stress for people who the mental health and well-being of your favorite streamer is affected by their non-stop workload so be aware that when they take a vacation like it is vital for them to continue making content for you to enjoy and not slowly descend into very dark places as a lot of content creators have it's a hard line it's a hard job um and they do need those times off uh you guys want to take a question here i'll ask from uh layton hey sbj and the rest of the podcast family is running if we didn't currently have dlc coming for a third pillar in the Sword Shield era, would you prefer an enhanced game like Emerald and Platinum or a sequel like Black 2 and White 2? Sequel. Enhanced. <laughs> I loved Platinum. I loved Emerald. I like the enhanced versions more than the sequels, but... Steve? Mm, I don't know. Pick! Uh, yeah, I would probably say sequel. I, I enjoyed Black 2, White 2 a lot marketing i think black 2 white 2 still gives you a reason to buy black and white i feel like if you skipped plat diamond and pearl and you bought platinum boy there's not a lot of reasons to go back to diamond and pearl unless you True. really want to see that loading bar <laughs> i do not care about the profits of another company i care about my enjoyment with the product I, yeah i i guess i would never tell somebody to buy sun and moon at this point because i just think ultra sun ultra moon is a better product very true i well hmm. I still tell people to buy Sun and Moon because I think the story is more complex than Sun and Moon. Yeah. And playing both, like, I think to get more out of the story of Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, it's important to have played Sun and Moon so you can see the differences and see how how what they're doing differs. Like, I, I think of all the ones that have done, like, Sun and Moon has a much better story and having played Sun and Moon made Ultra Sun and Ultra Suit moan's decisions make a little bit more sense like ultra sun and ultra moon alone the story is a lot weaker if you hadn't played sun and moon oh, I, don't, I don't disagree i just think the the amount of game you get in ultra sun and ultra moon is is significantly you get you get a lot more game that is true um just one thing that i i i mean that kind of draws me to a sequel and like i wish that they could expand on more that i can't think of a lot of games that have done this but they did for black 2 and white 2 was they had that thing where you could transfer over mm, some yes. of your experiences and then as you went through the story it was like remember when this previous trainer came through and did this this and this and it was like memories of what things you had done i was like that was amazing it's yeah. like so simple such a little thing such a little touch but Boy, oh boy, did it add so much meaning to those games. It yeah, I mean if if Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon had done that, I probably would be on to sequels more, but like they did it for black and white too, and then dropped it like a hot potato. Which like it does that's what doesn't sell me on sequels. Like even Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon weren't really sequels. They were it certainly weren't. Yeah. yeah. No, they were just so in, like, they were they were just platinum. They just figured yeah. out they could sell two copies instead of one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, if they were actually to put out a true, true, true sequel, then I would probably be interested in that. Uh, to finish their comment, they would personally like a sequel. This time we were offered a Johto starter. Mm, only Syndical matters. As well as our Galarian one. Been listening since I was playing Heart Gold. It's crazy to think that I'm 
Still here listening to you, boyos. Anyways, happy 400 episodes. Why is that? There's nothing crazy about that. We good. We good, good to listen to. <laughs> so this is a question from Grant. Hi, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I'm on the younger side, yet I still find it really awesome and entertaining. I love your podcast so much. My question is, would you shiny unlock Zacian, Zamazenta, Eternatus, and Starters or keep them locked? Thanks. Have an awesome day. There were a lot of E's in awesome, but I'm sure I, I just couldn't pronounce them. Awesome. Wait. Awesome. awesome. Um, no, I would keep them locked. I would keep them locked as well. Yeah, I I agree. I what what's nice about shiny locking those particular Pokemon in the games is that in the future they can then do a distribution and everybody can get them as shiny, and then your whole soft res- resetting drama and everything is just for nature. Yeah, um, and I mean people hate getting. I don't know why. There's a group of people that hate getting free shinies. Although I would argue walking into GameStop is much more difficult. That, that than... is a stressful situation <laughs> right there. I think the deeper, I think the deeper reason. I don't know if we've. I don't. I've. I've said. I talk about Pokemon too much. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast or this was specifically a Twitch stream thing. But I don't think it was any secret. Um. I don't think it was an accident that in Sun and Moon, those starter resets were like five minutes each, right? I don't think like anyone at the Pokemon company or anyone at Game Freak making the games were like, oh, Joe, uh, shouldn't we add a... There's no Japanese person named Joe. Shouldn't we add a uh, reset? Yes, there is. Or a save right before the person picked up the starter? Like the, the amount of ease they could have made that happen, and they chose not mm-hmm. to. I think they're well aware... Uh, they've been well aware since black and white that, or prior to black and white, that people want to reset for these things, and they don't want those people to, probably because my assumption is they want those people to play through the game and not worry about that. And if you have somebody, I I can think of four people on Twitch that when Sword and Shield came out, they were still software setting for either Poplio, Litten, or Rowlet in one of their copies of Sun and Moon. And I just don't think <laughs> that's a good way to experience a game. And I get it. You paid the $40, experience the game and how you want to experience it. Um, but if somebody's not getting to the end of Black and White because they're still trying to soft reset for Zekrom, like they they might not ever see the ending to that game. So I think it was smart... Uh, yeah. although controversial to lock these Pokemon, but at the same time, I don't, th- and I've always said this, I don't think turning on and off your video game over and over is a great way to play a video game. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I, t- I just think I like it because it did encourage everybody to get into the game pretty quickly. Like, I did do a little software setting for Natures, not a lot, because I knew mints were coming on, and I also know that Natures don't really matter when you're playing through the game. They only really matter for competitive, truly. Like, you can get through the game by overleveling. So I think it, I like it because it encourages people to just, just start playing the game. Get, get into the content. Like, don't worry about this. Don't waste 
50 hours before you actually get to play the game, especially when you had, you know, we're in the era of content creation for these games. And I'm sure they want people to be like, don't have your content be 50 hours of software setting when our game immediately comes out. Just please start playing the game. Yeah. And I think there is, I, I don't know, even though the people complain that like, oh, Zygarde, was it Zygarde? Yeah, it was Zygarde that was shiny locked. And then they gave it as a GameStop distribution. Um, for the year of legendary, whether or not it's shiny, I think is pretty irrelevant uh, because the distributions are a time and place kind of thing. And and we've learned with Marshadow and we've learned with Volcanion and we've learned with Meloetta. If you and weren't Zeraora. <laughs> and Zeraora, these Pokemon are incredibly rare now and they should be. I mean, they should be rare. They're mythical, uh, but they're rare because you had a full month, which is a long time. To walk into a GameStop and get these. And a lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. The same for Zygarde. They, you had a month to get shiny Zygarde. And if you missed it, you missed it. Some people don't care. They wanted to sit there and turn off their video game over and over. And that's if that's how you enjoy a game, that's cool. I mean, I've done it. I've definitely turned off my Switch 7,000 times for shiny Articuno. And I can't say that at any point of that, that was fun. But I got a shiny Articuno at the end of it, and I put it into the box, and I don't think I've looked at it since, but mission accomplished, I guess. <laughs> I think of anything, they have they have definitely leaned into shinies. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they have a good way for us to hunt, like, legendary shinies at this point. Um. So by locking it, I guess they're at least letting people play the other parts of the game and not turn off and on their game. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the I don't know what the future is for that. I don't know how they they fix that or or get people to say like, "Okay, you can in this uh, super ultimate Pokémon Sword in 15 years when we replay through it again, you'll be able to hunt Zacian, but it will be this way and not turn on and off your video game over and over. I don't know what that looks like, though. I'm not a video game. I don't have to be creative. <laughs> I'm not a video game creator. Not with that attitude. Lewis from our Slack community asks, will there be another top 10 Pokemon debate episode in the future? Oh, my stomach can't handle it. I was so hungry at the end of that. What was that, like a five-hour recording that we ended up cutting yes. down to like three hours? It was supposed to be like 30 minutes, the little throwaway fun thing to do, and it was like five <laughs> hours long, and I was so hungry. You know if I'd been there, it'd have been even longer. Yup. So let's do another one. 80 hours! Yeah, I mean, we could do another one. Uh, I don't know what that would entail. I think the problem is like there's so many Pokemon, right? and it's so hard to like weigh the opinions. It would have to be like top 10 water pokemon or something like it, you would have to like cut it down dramatically i feel like top it, 10 water pokemon that are fish only okay all right <laughs> goldie number one Basculin. <laughs> number two Basculin. bruxish yeah i mean like i think there i think there's an importance to have episodes that are not news focused although obviously there's a lot of pokemon news that comes out so it's it's easy to keep doing a weekly show 
but I, I think at a point in time that was a really good uh, that was a really good episode to point people towards if they were unsure of where to start. Yeah, but now I feel like that episode's very outdated. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I still lived in D.C. Remember those I, days? Uh, finally. What? <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Texas still has my card. Greg, you want to take a question? From Kevin, what has your favorite episode of ISE been? This is a toughie. Yeah, it is. It's like um, they go completely out of my memory the minute I walk away from the microphone. <laughs> um, Like, as a listener, I mean, I will put up there since we talked about the top ten Pokemon debate. Was a joy to listen to, even though I hated all of you for picking wrong. And you did pick wrong, so don't even try to defend your choices. Oh, I still can't believe Steve <laughs> and his whole... Uh, what was that fo- Helix fossil uh, fiasco oh, that nightmare. he so easily forgot? It, it was so important to him at that time. Sure. Mm-hmm. What? I didn't forget. I, I yeah. still stand by that argument. Sure. Mm-hmm. Nightmare fuel, that one. If anything, I'm still mad that Micah's Pokemon made the list so much. Because, like, no one challenged it. It was just like, I like Gengar because it was the ghost Pokemon I caught in red and blue. And everyone was like, oh, this is good enough. I mean, who doesn't like Gengar? <sighs> Special Gengar right now. I think there's a lot of moments, like the WAP-ZIP moment is still up there. Uh, I think that's very, very funny. It's hard to pick an episode because, like, a lot of the episodes that are news-focused is like, eh, well, that was just the news that time. Um, contrary to popular belief, I've always liked listening to the live episodes that were recorded at the PAXs. I think those were all... Very fun. I know people don't like live episodes, but I always enjoyed them because I think the interactions with the fans and like the little kids asking questions were always charming. Not a one particular episode because there's there've just been too many. <laughs> just for me to say <laughs> one. But I think when we did years ago the what was it? Um not Patreon, but um the other one. The fundraiser. Kickstarter? The Kickstarter. And we had everybody, all the guests come on. And they were like got to be oh, on one episode. Yeah, and we yeah. talked to everybody. I really enjoyed those. Because we just had so many different people, different perspectives, and everything like that. That, uh, that, that I enjoyed doing all of those. And then Greg and I got into a fight. <laughs> yeah, we did. Because you're wrong. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> and we continue it to this day to this day uh so yeah i think those were probably among my favorites uh i mean i also you know started doing this with justin um and i enjoyed like a lot of doing all of the episodes with him because justin is always so excited about things in a way that i don't get excited <laughs> ever so that i think i'll always hold that fond fond memories of that uh, Rochelle goes, what's the best slash most useful life lesson you've learned from your experiences with Pokemon? Hmm. I've learned I that remember... people on Instagram are consistently wrong. <laughs> I don't know why it's specifically Instagram, but man. No, uh, I have a serious answer. <laughs> Will, you can go, though. I was going to say uh, that I remember like when we first met up at U.S. Nationals in... 2000 
12 and I didn't know anything about EV training or meta or anything for VGCs, but I had my team. (laughs) And my life lesson was to just enjoy yourself because even if you've got a bad team, you're there to have fun. I don't know. Uh, This is tough. Best, most useful. I think in all all of my years of dealing with Pokemon, not just this podcast, but in everything, um, I think one of the best things that Pokemon has been able to capture that doesn't exist in a lot of other fandoms is a very strong sense of community. The fact that there's a strong working together, trading, uh, and a focus on sort of friendly competitive that I think Pokemon more than anything introduces you to similar people who like things like you that's mostly free from toxicity. Mostly. I mean, there's still some some darker aspects. I think that the whole Dexit thing brought out some very dark things. Um, but I think in general, communi- uh, the community that Pokemon builds naturally through its gameplay is is one of the best things that I've gotten out of Pokemon. I've I've made a lot of friends through the game. I've made a lot of connections through the game that just weren't there before. Uh, It's easy to bond over this. I think Pokemon Go really helped reinforce that. It's easy to bond over Pokemon Go as well. Like, you can talk about these things as a shared experience. And I would say more than a lot of other fandoms, I've made a lot of great connections through Pokemon as a game, as a fandom. When I started the podcast, I was an idiot. And uh, uh not an idiot, just a neophyte. And I I've <laughs> I've definitely grown over the years. It's funny cuz I was uh, I found an old Trello board the other day and it was probably around the time before Will was active on the podcast, I would say. Yeah, I don't remember ever using Trello, so. Yeah, and there was there was maybe like 20 people that was part of it, and it was, uh, it was a bunch of people that wanted to somehow help out with the show, whether that was writing or just helping with future episode concepts or whatnot. Uh, I don't even remember how it, it got started, but I just like read some of the things, like the priorities I had. And they were so, they were just like wrong. <laughs> they were just like <laughs> creating content and like reading the, like this was a priority for me at the time it was just like, oh, this is why none of this was successful back in the day. I mean, weren't you like 22? Yeah. When yeah. You I started been, this? I've been, it would have been 20, I think I would have been 21 when I started actually. I mean, so more than the two of us, like, the the years between 20 and 21 and 21 and 20 like there's a lot of just growth that adults go through then so i think like i i also listened to very beginning and you are a very different person than when you started but you're also you and like like everybody does you had a lot of growth and it, like in your 20s you were exposed to a lot more things and i will say to your credit I know a lot of people who are exposed to a big wide world who constantly knocks you down, who become more obstinate and more awful, and you didn't do that. You have 
very much grown as a person and accepted everything that came your way and are willing to mostly accept when you're wrong. Uh, mostly. And, and adapt to become a better person. Uh, I think over this time period, I think everybody can see that you have changed and improved yourself and improved your outlook, which does not happen to a lot of people. So if nothing else, like, it's easy to look back at our old selves and be like, I can't believe that's who I was. Oh, a that was 100% of, me. <laughs> a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people can look at their past self and say, well, I'm the same. Um, and I think you you should be proud of who you've become through a lot of stuff that the world has thrown at you and still produce a lot of things that people enjoy. And I think and you I, should be proud of that. Uh, yeah, and I will say, right, that one thing um, just over the almost 10 years now that this podcast has existed is that, and, and you know, this is like one of the core things that I always hold for my, all, for my own life, right? It's, you know, constant progress, right? Never, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm constantly progressing, constantly improving. And if you really just look over the amount of time that this is the podcast has been coming out, it's just always progressing to become a better, more professional, you know, even trying new things. It's like if the new things don't work out, you know, quietly retiring them, but just always moving towards a more professional and keeping, uh, you know, eyes on constant improvement and making sure that the podcast as a product is something that people are continuing to enjoy and continues to have value for the community where there's a lot of people and even people who have been doing podcasts for a decade or more where their podcast has literally not changed since day one. Yep. I, I think that that's just like a huge testament to the amount of work that you know, that Steve puts in to, you know, keeping his ears to the ground, listening to what people want, listening to what people have to say, and listening to me and Greg, too, and others, obviously, because there's been many other people involved <laughs> over time, and saying, you know, like, you know, it, is this something we should try? Is this something we shouldn't try? Why should we? Why shouldn't we? Should we discuss these topics? In what way? How do we bring this up? Do we just not bring this up and you know that that's a level of professionalism that probably and i will have to say like outweighs like the amount of professionalism that's put into the recording of this program outweighs the monetary that you get back as compared to other programs that are on the same professional level does that make any sense do, yes. do those words in that order mostly sure <laughs> okay thank you <laughs> I mean, there's no ads. There used to be ads. We did ads for socks at one point. Um, <laughs> I remember that. We did. <laughs> we did do ads for socks at one point. I am sure there's probably a path where I had, could have made more clickbaity stuff, even now on YouTube or whatnot, and grow that audience quicker. But I would rather take the slow route and just continue to be genuine and provide the most accurate information and we've gotten things wrong on the show before but i i still stand by like old me probably was trying to get numbers to grow quicker and new me doesn't 
Like, Numi is too focused on the show being genuine. The next question will surprise you, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you won't believe the next question. We'll, uh, we'll end on this question here. Brandon says, what is your favorite ISC memory that is not Pokemon related? Gen Con 20, 2016, when I actually decided to, to drive across states to finally meet everybody. Like, I had talked to you for, because we'd been doing Mythical, and I still hadn't met anybody in person. Um, and I'd never done Gen Con, and I was traveling by myself, and I was going to go be complete strangers. I was like, this is, a, this is such a bad idea. But at least I'm at a convention, so if I hate them, I can do other things. It was great. Like, it was a lot of fun. Like, I had a better time than I was expecting. I would probably say, like, what comes to mind first is there was one time, and I don't even remember why I was visiting you. I may have been visiting you for your birthday, but I don't even remember if that was why. And Jeff Thede came and we picked him up at the bus station. Okay. And then we like stayed up like completely overnight until like six o'clock the next morning playing board games. I do remember and this. That was a lot of fun. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but there was a, I think it Uh-oh. was 2016 where. Uh, I got in contact with a lot of people who have done something with the show. Uh, Greg, Will, Logan, Travis, and we rented a house in the Wisconsin Dells. Mm-hmm. I, I was there. You were there, and I think there was <laughs> there was like thirteen of us, fourteen of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Wisconsin Dells are in the middle of Wisconsin. They're like an hour north of Madison. Madison is like an hour west of Milwaukee. It's like maybe three hours east of the Twin Cities. Three and a half. Three and a half. And I've done that uh, drive a lot. They, they, there's different um, hotel accommodations at the Wisconsin Dells, and we ended up going to the Kalahari, and they had this was this would have been um, December. Uh, early December, I think. Uh, yeah, the and, first week of December. Yeah, because Sun and Moon were out. They were out for almost a month. And we rented a whole house, and it had, I think, five or six bedrooms. There was one in the basement. There was two on the main floor, and then two on the top floor, maybe? I think, that sounds three right. I think the there were three floor. in the top floor. And there each three bedroom the had, floor. like, two beds, and Travis flew in, and Logan flew in, and then there was, like, f- and anyone from it, and Wilth flew in, so there was, like, four cars that left Milwaukee with different people in it and different luggage, and um, I think two cars left Minnesota. Yep. And then we... It could have easily been one, but it didn't know those people <laughs> very well true, at that yeah. time. Uh, and there was the, like, 13, 14 of us that we were at the cabin for, like, three or four days. And it was it was fantastic. It was, like, be, it was because of ISC, but it yeah. had nothing to do with the podcast and stuff. And I, I do think we recorded some Mythical there. We did. 
if we were to ever do it again, which I don't know if that would be ever be possible. Um, just having all all those people. Two a.m. playing Jackbox. Two a.m. playing TKO, which I which my I did my best shirt is from that. Oh TKO. no, the TKO shirts from those that shirts. Are amazing. That I mean, I still can't believe it was up at two a.m. But but I think like fourteen people renting the cabin came to like it was like fifty dollars a night for a person. It was like yeah, incredibly it cheap, bad. and everyone walked out spending like less than two hundred dollars. And it's always why now. Like, it's so hard for me to put Gen Con on the list of things I want to do, because Gen Con is, like, minimum $1,000. Your numbers are w- way wild for that, what? but anyways. No, it's not. Hotels yeah, are, like, minimum 199 Yeah, no, the hotel is super expensive. Yeah, but you don't share. Well, that's that's true. He does not share. So, Correct. like, of the of the conventions I went to last year, some with you, Gen Con was my cheapest. PAX is significantly expensive. I but it's, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, PAX is real expensive. But yeah, I would love to do something like that again with more people. Uh, I remember being very, very worried about the initial, however dynamics. much, however, well, the dynamics of having all those people in the house, but also like the, the, the price of the credit card to rent a house for yes three days. Although when you break it down into like 14 different people, it, it comes out to pennies, but. Somebody has to pay that cost up front. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a really good weekend. And I remember it was a lot of people playing board games or playing uh, games on the TV or just sitting around playing Sun and Moon. And there was a complete indoor water park and amusement park uh, and tons of restaurants. And it was, it was a super good weekend. Yeah, I remember the mac and cheese restaurant. The restaurant that was one, good. and the hamburger restaurant where we went back to for Heatran. No, Heatran was bachelor party. That's I mean, what Heatran, I'm saying. We went yeah, back we went to back it. Back oh, that. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. And y'all forced us to go to Pizza Ranch, which is unstill to this day unforgivable. Uh, <laughs> Unfor. Look, you do pizza. You do Pizza Ranch once, and then you just never have to go back again. Yeah, you get Pizza you Ranch have, out of the way. You didn't have to go the first time. The only problem with the I mean, Wisconsin Dells is, is there's like no way to go directly to the Dells. Correct. There's no like airport there. But if you want a cheap trip, the first week of December, Wisconsin Dells. Off season, Wisconsin oh, Dells. December, January so. at the Dells. Yeah. Heck yeah. Just not Christmas. Christmas at the Dells is expensive. That's our episode. That's episode 400. Woo! Are you telling me I wrote a Pokemon of the Week for no reason? You, you gotta, did. You gotta save it. Ugh. I did my song up front. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if we did not get to your question. Uh, there was a lot, so thank you guys for asking your questions on whatever platform you've answered. If you want to follow us on Twitter, my Will is at Washing the Sink, Greg is at White Wing, I'm at Dragging a Lake, the podcast is PKMN Cast, Twitch and YouTube the same, and Instagram the same, P-K-M-N-C-A-S-T. The podcast goes up on YouTube and goes up on all the podcast feeds on Mondays, and then two, two YouTube videos on Wednesday and Friday, and then streams pretty much all week. And probably an Instagram post every single day. Probably is keyword. 
Usually it's like six days a week. I usually just skip. And one you day. started doing Facebook stories. Yeah, I don't. Well, Instagram auto auto posted that, but Instagram stories, I guess. Whatever that is. But thank you for listening. I know there's been way more than 400 episodes of this show. It's just not all of them were <laughs> numbered. <laughs> numbered properly. But thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back next week with a normal episode. I don't think there was terribly a lot of news this week, so I don't think anything super dramatic happened that we don't have to rush to cover uh, that we can still cover next week. So thank you for listening. Wash your hands. We will be back next week. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. Super celebrate good times. Come on. It's a celebration. Is that seventies or seventies? That's all right. So seventies. Take me back to the roller rink, buddy. Yeah. This podcast is supported by our Patreon backers, and some of those people paid money to get their name read at the end of this show. A huge thank you to Alex, Courtney, Jetsy, Casey, Catherine, Kay, Kevin, Liam. Matthew, Noah, Patrick, Rytan, and Sejanus. And a shout out to our executive producer of Anthony. Thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast as well, you can go over to patreon.com slash it's super effective or you can head over to the easier to remember domain ise.cash. Super easy to remember. Because money exchanges hands and ISC is short for the podcast. Uh, Also, shout out to Nick, who does all the music for the show. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for making it to the end. This was new. Hey, it was different. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for supporting the show and listening. Really, really, truly appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Bye.